I think we can all agree that the contract interiors industry is built upon relationships. Now, last week we talked a lot about building those relationships, now virtually. When you're making large investments, you simply want to work with someone you trust. But if you've ever struggled to turn great relationships into business, you're not alone. ThinkLab spent six months exploring B2B business development in the new digital era. And we've used our findings to develop this season of the podcast. In each episode, you'll hear us tackle one key challenge from our research. This week, turning those relationships and networks into business and leads. 60 to 90% of our clients have made their decision before they even come talk to us. What happens when that human connection, that in-person cuts off? What does my brand even mean online? Can people even find me? As it relates to architecture and, and AEC overall is that it's something different. We're used to being a relationship-based industry and now we have to be content-based. Have you thought the same things? That was Danielle Gray, our resident and self-proclaimed content whisperer. We're gonna hear more from her throughout this episode about content and digital marketing. But this brings about the beauty of the timing of our hackathon that this season of the podcast is built upon. If you don't know what a hackathon is, it's the research I spoke about just a moment ago. It's basically a fancy word for a cross-functional six-month-long series of workshops where we use design thinking to solve business challenges. In this case, our research took place in the height of lockdowns, which means we have a lot of ideas for you to test that combine relationship building that this industry has always known with new digital tools and ideas for our (laughs) next normal. We all know our world is changing, but in many ways, 2020 just accelerated the change that was already happening. We'll share a few more statistics on that throughout this episode. This episode consists of three chapters. Each provides a unique lens into the evolution of lead generation. First, you'll hear inspiration from Danielle Gray, our content whisperer you heard from just a moment ago. What we love about her is that she's a professional digital marketer focused specifically on the architecture and design realm. In chapter two, we'll hear from our outside the industry expert, John Greenberg from HubSpot, about their digital tools and how to leverage them. And last, but most certainly not least, we'll hear from Sandow Design Group's very own Bobby Bonet, our head of digital marketing, with tangible, practical tips for your business. But we want to begin with our central discovery on the topic of networking right up front. Are you ready? Here it is. One of the reasons that brands struggle in the digital era is that they're not differentiated enough. This digital world is a flattener, and we've got to get used to that. This means the story about what makes our brand unique has to be clearer, more concise and succinct than ever, and reinforced in the physical and digital or online world. Welcome to Season 2 of Design Nerds Anonymous, the podcast that sparks curiosity at the intersection of business and design. I'm your host, Amanda Schneider, founder and president at ThinkLab, the research division of Sandow Design Group and sister company to media brands you know and love like Interior Design, Metropolis, Lux, and more. At ThinkLab, our passion is sharing inspiration for your business, fuel for your design process, and connections with people and ideas for positive disruption. 
So thanks for listening. We're glad you're here. Let's dive into chapter one. Our first interviewee and assistant to setting up this challenge is Danielle Gray, founder and chief content strategist at DG Marketing Company. Marketing can either be a Band-Aid or a vitamin. Oh, I'm trying to fix the, I need to sell things that help, help. That's a Band-Aid. Vitamin is, which is much more healthy. Good marketing can only bring good success to you. It's not, it's not a cost. It, it, it's an investment. It's supposed to be a conversation. Marketing should not feel robotic. And I think that sometimes it can be viewed that way. So from there, content whisper, fast forward, I realized how I need to get, I have a couple of them, Timmy too busy and Kara don't care. There's all these different personas, right? That I was creating because I was realizing, okay, I can't approach Timmy too busy with my whole plan. I have to tell Timmy too busy what I need and why we're doing it. Kara don't care, doesn't care. So how do I make her see that it relates to her job in some way? So it turns out it's a lot of people struggling with that because in the technical fields and design fields and all those different types of fields where marketing people don't really understand, I realized that there's a, a way we can both kind of live or collaborate, which is the experts understanding what we're trying to do and the marketers understanding more about what they're doing. So it really creates genuine content. All that to say, Content Whisper was born because I feel like I can get content from some of the most difficult personalities uh, because it's necessary for us to create really good content that the customer, the, the client actually wants. Typically, it looks like, okay, all the people that I know, I'm going to network and I'm going to talk to them and I'm going to go to a a networking event, and then I'm going to go to a conference, and that's how I'm going to get the business. Well, things have changed, right? According to a new McKinsey Global Survey of Executives, their companies have accelerated the digitization of their customer and supply chain interactions of their internal operations by three to four years. And the share of digital or digitally enabled products in their portfolios has accelerated by a shocking seven years. Now, we feel that our beloved interiors industry will likely follow suit. But how will our relationship and traditionally in-person driven sales process evolve in response? 60 to 90 percent of our clients are already have made their decision before they even come talk to us. You want to know why? There's Google. I don't have to come to you and ask you. In fact, for our listeners on the product side, in a recent Think Lab survey, 95% of specifiers start their search online before ever engaging a rep. But Danielle's audience is you, architecture and design firms. So listen on. So what we find ourselves in, especially in the architecture design space, is that you're doing all these proposals and we're just spinning our wheels. So what if we were in the conversation before we even knew we were in the conversation? We know that people are going online especially now. People are looking at their computer almost every day. So what can we do? And that's where I really talk about the seven touches. That 60 to 90% of our clients are already have made their decision before they even come talk to us. You want to know why? There's Google. I don't have to come to you and ask you. So what we find ourselves in, especially in the architecture design space, is that you're doing all these proposals and we're just spinning our wheels. We know that people are going online, 
especially now. People are looking at their computer almost every day. So what can we do? And that's where I really talk about the seven touches. A lot of firms in this industry have been like, we're the greatest. This is why. Come see us. And it's like, okay, but what can you help me with? And I think that's the piece that we don't always answer. And, and I, this is one of my, I say like my holy grail of content marketing is three questions. Every piece of content should answer three questions. One, what? What is the topic? What are we talking about? Two, so what? Who cares? Why do my audience care? Why, why would they care about this? And I need to make sure I address why they would care in it. And then three, now what? I feel like to your point that so much of the decision is made by the time we engage a sales rep or a business development person or something like that. And I think that hasn't been the case for our industry. I think our industry has been still relational. We're still picking up business at the soccer game, at the happy hour, you know, just walking into a firm to drop off samples and then we get the business. I have, I've had a couple of clients that talk about, you know, well, I get content, Mark. Yeah, it's important. Yeah, yeah. But when am I going to get results, right? Because that's that's important. This is about business. If we're creating this, it has to bring some kind of ROI. And the truth is that I tell people is think about it like your business developer. Would you expect your business developer to come in right when they started and start handing you projects? You wouldn't. You wouldn't ex expect your salespeople to just start handing over things. And I have to have that conversation because marketing for some reason is supposed to be magical, right? Like, oh, I just, I printed all these brochures. Why am I not getting any work? Marketing team, that's just not fair. We have to look at it as in, if we're weaving sales and marketing together, that means that we have to be on the same page. So the whole point is that we're trying to learn more about the customers, Learn more about the, the target market to figure out what they need, what they're struggling with, so we can create content to complement that. When you go online, you're not going because you have all the solutions. You're going to find something that can help you solve something. So when we look at it that way, I'm like, okay, let's create content that will help. So I get a call. I do this content workshop probably January 2019. Uh, I get a call maybe a month or two ago from, it was an architecture com company that I did that for. And she literally said, she was like, I don't think we would have survived the pandemic had we not gone after and understood our, our personas. And I was like, wow. Cause it was immediately those traditional ways that they were going about things had completely vanished, but luckily they were creating content. They could send emails to their, their uh, customers. They can stay in contact. And that was, that gave me like chills because I was like, ah, oh, look at that. It wasn't immediate, right? But it happened. And I am proof that content, emails, that whole digital marketing platform, I've at least brought in $125 million to, to companies just based on waiting, creating content, creating campaigns, thoughtful campaigns and things that actually matter to the audience. Because that's where we get lost. We want to talk about what we want to talk about instead of what the customer wants to hear or talk about. And for businesses overall, if you think about, again, this is just marketing 101, go to the places where, where your customers are, right? 
So if your customers are at the nail salon, then let's put some things in the nail salon, right? If they're on LinkedIn, then we need to be on LinkedIn. And we'll hear a lot more about LinkedIn in chapter three from Bobby. But suffice to say, we heard a lot about LinkedIn throughout the hackathon. Our broker said, clients are using LinkedIn more because it's streaming the news that I need professionally. Therefore, our commercial real estate brokers and PMs are more active there than ever. We've seen more A&D leveraging LinkedIn in new ways. And as business picks up in 2021 and designers are shifting firms, it becomes more important than ever for product providers to follow this living business card. So let's return to Danielle for her perspective on the most important social media channels today. On LinkedIn, I'm thinking I'm logging in in a business setting. I'm in, in a business mode. I'm, I'm ready to learn. I'm ready to connect. I'm ready to just celebrate whatever that is. That's what I'm ready. But I'm in my work in my workspace. So I think that that's one. We have to be thoughtful about the, the younger generation. They are on Instagram. If you're a design firm, then let's see your designs. Let, let's see that because I'm going to double tap it. And, you know, that's what I'm doing as a, a young architecture, you know, major in, at Georgia Tech or something like that. That's what I'm going to do. So I think that it's really, again, going back to not just externally and who your audience is, but who's coming up and who are the the influencers that are influencing those people. If I had to pick two, it's going to be LinkedIn. And I think a, a little bit further south, a second is Instagram. Now, before we move on to chapter two, let's hear a summary of where our industry needs to focus in this new digital era. One thing that I, I always say, I believe marketing should listen and solve, not tell and sell. So listen, solve, not tell and sell. I think a lot of times in our industry, we tend to tell. So just like, tell, let, let me tell you all the things that I can do and sell you on that instead of listening to your client and saying, oh, this is, oh, that's all. That's what you need. Let me help you solve that. And, and I think that that will create a better atmosphere in our industry. Chapter two. All right, we've heard the case from Danielle, our content whisperer, about why digital touches are more important than ever in this increasingly hybrid era. And as promised, we wanted to bring you inspiration and expertise from outside the ecosystem. For this episode, we're bringing you inspiration for lead generation. So with that thought, let's hear from Jonathan Greenberg from HubSpot a software that digitally links inbound marketing, sales, and customer service. My name is Jonathan Greenberg. I work for a company called HubSpot, currently in a new role after five years of selling, transitioned over to our revenue operations team, which is a new team that we designed this year, bring together all of the enablement across all our customer departments. And what I'm working on with that team is essentially looking at our global sales process, finding efficiencies within that, um, helping reps sell more and do less and really kind of help them free up their time and energy and efficiency so they could do the things that they really love doing, which was always my passion as a sales rep. Now, I want to be sure we really emphasize that for all of you business development and sales folks listening. Software that can help reps sell more, do less, and refocus on the things that they love doing. HubSpot plays in a really crowded field. And as somebody who was actually kind of newer to the technology space when I started here five years ago, there's a lot of buzzwords that get thrown around. So 
I'll say a first few and then kind of get into what they are. But HubSpot technically officially is a, a customer relationship platform for scaling businesses. And what that means, I think the word platform there is kind of where it becomes confusing. When we think about the customer experience end to end from the first time you would talk to somebody or engage with them or their brand, all the way to that person being a repeat client, there's so many different touch points along the way. And when I came in learning traditional sales, it was, you know, you have a lead that turns into a promoter then, or excuse me, a lead to a customer to a promoter. And the reality is that that, that experience really isn't linear. So what HubSpot really helps do is you know, all of those different touch points along the way, whether it's interaction from a salesperson, uh, the marketing team engaging with them, the customer success team taking over an account, all of those different interactions, we really help manage that in a super efficient and streamlined way. And the end goal is make that experience really, really, really impactful, personal uh, and trust building for the customer. So we can continue to retain customers, not just because we have a great product or service, but actually because we created a great experience to help them get from point A to point B. It's interesting because what he's suggesting is that software can help you build that experience in new ways. And although digital, you'll hear in a moment how that experience can lead to trust. And perhaps more importantly, in a time-efficient way for those of you in a sales role. Trust, for example, that's a really big key, a skill of the, the best outside sellers, the ability to build communication and those interpersonal skills. Moving digital, like the perception is that that trust is gone because we're now, you know, sitting and talking through a Zoom screen. Reality, I think, is with a tool like HubSpot and with some of these other softwares on the market, really trying to help bridge that gap. But really, I think thinking about the time piece, because that's what all sellers that I've talked to don't have enough of, right? There's an unlimited quota. There's so many things to do, accounts to, to follow up with. And I really think that that's where this shift can benefit some of those outside sellers. And if you think about how much time you spend driving to meetings, or how much time you might have spent waiting for a client at a meeting where you couldn't get something else done. Um, all of that now is is in this new world where not only do you have the advantage of being able to you know, work a bit more efficiently because you're at your computer and you're kind of able to eliminate some of that physical time, but the technology now, and specifically HubSpot, I think, has found ways to really, really help improve that efficiency part. Now, if you're listening to this and thinking, but I don't mind waiting. I just want to see people in person. We hear you. There will be times and places for in-person, but you already know how those interaction work. And my guess is that the future of in-person interactions won't look all that different. What John is suggesting, however, is that digital tools can help you streamline your process and prioritize which in-person meetings can lead to the most impactful clients for your business. But let's combat some fears you may be having. Can technology ever replace a rep? Here's John's take. I had my own healthy fear of that being on the front lines of one of the more modern technologies that's doing some of this data capture and you know also automating some of the process for sales reps. And as that industry grew, I saw a lot of people leaning almost too far into the technology and relying on sequences and kind of mass communication as a way to sell versus the personalized, tailored custom approach, which we all know to be way more successful. So I think like anything with great power comes great responsibility. It's in the 
the strategist, and I, I consider salespeople all individual strategists, it's in the mind of the strategist to decide this is the way that I'm going to act on this. And I think when you have the ability to do that, there's no software out there that can think like a sales rep. And I think that that motion right there will never, will never be able to replace that. I think that that really requires a human, a, a human kind of stra- a strategic kind of side of things. And I think that that will be really difficult to replace. So I think it kind of goes back to who is in charge of the decision making. For sales, I think it'll always have to be that salesperson, but can we arm them with a bit more data to help make that experience more personal? And then on the larger side, the business side, okay, we're capturing all this uh, interaction uh, from all of our different teams. What's our strategy and how are we going to enable that? And I think if you keep the customer first and keep that mindset, I think that you end up making the right decisions there more often than not. I think the second fear that many sales reps may be having as you're listening to this is around measurement. What if I'm not successful? Yeah, I think that that can be a scary thing too. The more measurement there is, the more possibility for failure. And so I think, you know, as an early sales rep who I didn't really have a process, but I wanted to build one. So I always thought I need to evaluate my opportunity. I need to act on that and then I need to measure it. So I can see if what I'm doing is working or not. That was something that HubSpot allowed me to do with its technology. So I could look back and say, okay, I did this type of messaging for this specific persona in this industry. And this is the net deal flow that came out of that. For the sales rep from that angle, I think the tighter that these companies can align through technology, the better it becomes because, and, and this is projects that I'm working on now with our marketing team, Leveraging the full extent and power and creativity of the brand side and the solution side and the product marketers to then kind of micro target what sales sees on the ground. And that's where I think that alignment comes in is when those two teams are working really nicely together. Chapter three. I've invited my standout coworker, and his post-COVID man bun to join me for insights. Meet Bobby. Hi, I'm Bobby Bonet. I'm the Vice President of Digital Strategy for Sandow Design Group. I'm also the Managing Director for the Agency by Sandow, which is a digital agency we launched at the beginning of 2021 to work with clients in specifically in the A&D industry on their digital marketing strategy. I obviously joined Sandow Design Group in an interesting time. I started two months before the world shut down due to COVID. And so we've spent a lot of the last 15 months trying to be thoughtful and experimental with the ways in which we can help our clients leverage digital marketing channels in all of their promotional efforts and their product rollout efforts and their branding efforts and so on and so forth. But the core of what we do is media planning, media buying, campaign strategy, digital marketing strategy digital marketing execution. So you can come to us if you are looking to establish a presence on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn, and you don't know where to start from an organic content standpoint. Like our sponsors this season, one of the things that fascinates me about Bobby's perspective is the experience he's bringing from outside the industry. Let's hear what that means in his world. I come from the media, entertainment, and sports world. When I walked in the door at Sandow Design Group, I had no experience in the A&D space from a content perspective, aside from the fact that I could 
say, hey, I can call my sister who's a specifier at the time at HED. And that that was okay with me. And that was okay with Sandow Design Group as well, because what our goal was, was can we borrow from what folks like SiriusXM and the National Basketball Association are doing as it relates to their digital marketing efforts and impart some of those learnings into our own digital strategy at Sandow Design Group. So I spent my previous careers in content marketing, content distribution and partnerships, and the learnings I got from working with clients, from working in-house, from developing compelling marketing campaigns, from trying to connect digital marketing all the way down the sales funnel into a new subscriber at SiriusXM or a new user of, of the NBA app. We've borrowed those tactics and optimize them for the A&D industry and in many cases for a B2B account-based marketing strategy and have, I think, really had some serious successes as it relates to creating uh, awesome solutions for our clients, both if I'm to wear my VP digital at Sandow Design Group app and when it comes to working with our clients at the agency. Now, if you've heard any of my public speaking engagements over the past decade, you know that ThinkLoud has been tracking the influence of B2C on the B2B buying experience for a while. Or, if you aren't familiar with those terms, put simply, as our buying experience as consumers get increasingly frictionless, we expect the same at work, and that's B2B or business to business. But as we've all experienced the forced and extreme remote slash digital experience in the last year, much of this has been accelerated by 2020. Let's hear Bobby's advice for us about how 2020 has accelerated how we should be thinking about digitization within the design industry. So I think, you know, as a, as a guy who, who comes from the B2C world, I love, you know, brand marketing. I love brand awareness tactics. I love platforms like um, social media platforms where you can, you can really ex exploit a brand marketing tactics. And I think being aggressive and, and embracing those tactics is something that is increasingly important in this hybrid environment, in this digital first environment where like you roll out of bed and you're in your quote unquote office five seconds later. What I'm seeing and what I'm hearing is that folks really want to escape from work, but they're also, when they're trying to escape from work, they can't stop thinking about work. So I go on Instagram and my Instagram feed is filled with other brands in, in this space, other clients in this space. So when I intended maybe to go ahead and scroll through reels for half an hour, I'm still seeing brand messaging. And, and I don't think I'm alone in, that, alone in that fact. We've In fact, when we've run focus groups with designers, we hear how important Pinterest and Instagram are in their process of, of drawing inspiration for a project. So classically, an Instagram campaign or a Pinterest campaign would be a B2C tactic. But if we can be really tactical with how we're leveraging our owned lists, and take advantage of the incredible targeting capabilities of platforms like Facebook and, and Instagram and Pinterest and message people when they are in that moment of escapism. That's really the best place to get in front of somebody with your brand marketing because you're winding up in their feed in context. You know who you're talking to at a high level and, and keeping your brand front and center right now is so important because we really don't know where each other is in this world. And the other type of targeting is targeting, I think, that we think about when we classically think about targeting. So now if you don't have well-organized lists in your own CRM as a manufacturer right now, you're, you're playing from behind. Not to say that the world's over, but you have to start thinking about it. We're target, you know, what, what's striking is you might talk to one manufacturer who has a well-organized list of 20,000 people in the industry. And you might talk to another manufacturer who has 
50 people on an unorganized list. And that, that, that chasm will make the person with 50 contacts feel like they're playing from behind. But now is, now is the right time to start to build out a smart inbound marketing strategy, a smart sales marketing strategy, so you can grow that list and eventually leverage these platforms that we're spending hours a day on as a society. And that should be highly motivating to anyone listening. Whether you're a professional marketer or perhaps someone just trying to do great business development, in this new accessible world, if you've got something to say and something that people want to hear, you can leverage these platforms to grow your own personal brand. But let's refocus on the core of what our beloved industry looks for from a brand, the story. I'll go back to my sister. She's always my, my focus group of one. And I'll, you know, I'll be out to dinner with her and her husband, who's, who's an architect, or her friends who are in the design industry. And you know, I, I, I tend to be struck by the fact that the story behind a brand oftentimes is as important to her and to her colleagues as the quality of the product, for example. And as somebody who didn't have a, a familiarity with the indie industry prior to joining Sandow Design Group, I, you know, I might have gone to you know the quality of a chair is going to be the most important thing that goes into a conference room project at an office. But the association with the brand, the familiarity with what the brand, what is important to the brand, the way in which the brand is handling hiring, the way in which the brand talks about sustainability. All of these, you know, different tenets are so important, I think, you know, at this point for especially emerging designers. When we're working with manufacturers, whether it's with Sandow Design Group's media brands or whether it's with the agency by Sandow, one of the first questions we ask is, what's the story you're trying to tell here? Not what's the product you're releasing, not what, what what's your key business objective for the third quarter. It is what makes your, your brand unique. Are you made in America? Are you focused on a sustainability initiative? Are you, you know, are, are, are you in a particularly philanthropic position right now? Is diversity and inclusion hyper important to you? Because those stories are what's resonating and those stories are what the types of stories that are getting shared on these platforms. And that's building that super positive brand affinity. It's the same thing that business to consumer B2C brands do. From my past lives is they don't focus on, you know, SiriusXM doesn't necessarily focus on the type of music they play because you can get music from Spotify or Pandora or SiriusXM or the radio. SiriusXM used to talk about the DJs who hosted their shows and why they curated music a particular way for a particular audience. And I think it's the same way, it's the same mindset we should have in a B2B space, which is what will make your brand stand out and make somebody, make a designer, make a specifier feel compelled to bring your brand up at dinner with their specifier designer friends. And it's probably not going to be because of your product at the end of the day. That type of conversation is going to come up because of what your brand, what's important to your brand. You heard me say in the beginning of this episode, the digital world is a flattener. And while yes, this means that your brand message must be clearer than ever, as you're put at parity in this digital realm amongst your peers, there are also very interesting implications as to the opportunity that this newly flattened world creates for individuals that have ambition. So if you're one of those ambitious individuals that's listening in, listen on. Platforms like LinkedIn or, or our favorite platform, Amanda Clubhouse, if you're an early adopter and you're somebody who is you don't even have to be outgoing, but you're somebody who who has who's willing to put the time in to make yourself an influencer, to post regular updates on LinkedIn, to post an interesting video, to post an anecdote of something you heard in you know you heard in the virtual office, or to stand up a new clubhouse event. 
most people, right, the, the you know, 90 or 95 or 98% of people are, are leveraging these platforms as, as you know, viewers. I, I'm not even somebody who really posts on LinkedIn, but I'll go around and, and like posts and read posts and share posts all the time. So if you're somebody, irrespective of what your position is, if you're a social media producer and a manufacturer, if you're an entry-level designer, if you're a graphic designer at a media brand, you don't need to have the title of CEO or CRO or SVP in order to be somebody who turns into an influencer so long as your content is compelling and it resonates with people. I, you know, Now as we turn to these platforms more and more to get inspiration at a professional level, and now, you know, as we're as we're looking for these routes for escapism and trying to get away from Zoom and get away from our email for a moment, the opportunity is there to be the type of person who says, you know what, I'm not just going to like posts. I'm not just going to share posts. I'm going to put something up today and maybe it'll resonate. And if I put something up today and then three days from now and then seven days from now, folks might start to seek out what I'm sharing, share it themselves. But Bobby warns us to be selective about what platform to use if we're tackling personal brand building on social media. Some are simply easier than others. As I mentioned previously, one specific platform that came up a ton in our hackathon research was LinkedIn. When we think of clients and changes in the way that 2020 drove business development in the broader ecosystem, LinkedIn came up a lot. So let's hear Bobby's advice first for marketers on LinkedIn. Make sharing easy. Is a platform that's going to continue to, to emerge as a place that marketers want to spend money. I'm trying to figure out what content as a marketer I should share with my sales force that they can then post to Instagram to drive engagement and awareness. But perhaps even more importantly, as we tackle this personal brand building, here's Bobby's advice for salespeople. If you're not over-equipped with visual resources, LinkedIn can be a great place to focus. It pains me to say it, but I don't think designers are seeking out salespeople to follow on Instagram. I think they're seeking out brands and manufacturers, perhaps, and, and, and accounts with that, that share inspiring creative to follow. They're not seeking out sales folks because Instagram's a really hard platform to get right because you're, you're, you, you need to get your creative right and you need to get your creative messaging right. If you're to focus on a platform, if you're, if you're to focus on a social media platform, as a sales rep and a manufacturer, the, the platform I definitely focus on is LinkedIn because you don't need, you know, beautiful creative resources. Uh, like you can share a personal anecdote, you can share something at a much higher level, and you're you're dealing with a lot less noise, a lot less competition and noise because the people you follow on LinkedIn are your professional colleagues. You're not following, you know, a music artist and a sports team and a design inspiration account on the account-based marketing side. So LinkedIn allows you to target at an account level. And if you are in, in, in the type of business where you're able to tolerate a really high cost per acquisition, or you're trying to nurture a very valuable lead, or there's a very narrow cohort, cohort of individuals that you're looking to add to your sales funnel, that you're looking to add to your sales lists, LinkedIn does enable you to do that you know, job-based targeting, let's say. So what I would recommend is you know, I, I wouldn't say carve out a meaningful part. If you're, if you're not using LinkedIn right now from a targeting perspective, I wouldn't carve out a massive percentage of your digital marketing budget tomorrow because it is a tougher platform to learn as it relates to targeting. But I would start experimenting there. 
and and say, hey, you know, if I'm a manufacturer, is there a particular design firm that I want to get in front of with some messaging and let me run a test campaign and see if I can be successful there? Because I do think as time rolls on, as LinkedIn's targeting capabilities start to mature, that will be one of those platforms that you want to know what you're doing when you're ready to start doing it. As we close out episode two, I want to again thank our season two sponsors, Mannington Commercial and Keelhauer. I've played a personal hand in selecting the sponsors for this season, and we picked them because they both represent companies that are bringing new techniques and thinking from outside the industry and applying it in new and exciting ways. You'll hear much more from them in the next episode, episode three this season. But for now, let's hear from Amanda Darley, Marketing Director for Mannington Commercial about her key takeaways from this episode. This is Amanda Darley with Mannington Commercial. Having participated in the recent hackathon, we've had a front row seat watching Amanda Schneider and the Think Lab team pull this industry research together. It has been so helpful and actionable for our team, and it's great to hear more of the research insights with this podcast. And on this episode of Design Nerds Anonymous, We heard from Danielle Gray, the content whisperer. I was excited to hear her experience with content and how it confirms that Mannington's on the right path. We also heard from HubSpot's John Greenberg. His perspective on sales as strategists was a great reminder that relationships are vital. The tools should simply enhance it. And finally, we heard from Bobby Benet from the Sandow Design Group, who brings his insight from outside the industry to help give tangible steps and areas to focus on in our digital marketing strategies. So my big takeaways from this episode are the digital world is a flattener. Today, you're in the conversation before you know it. Digital tools can help reps sell more, do less, though it may not feel that way at the start. Sales reps as strategists in this new digital world And if you don't have a robust marketing department to get the visuals right, focus on LinkedIn. These ideas reinforce what we heard during the hackathon. It's encouraging to know it's never too late to start with digital. There is still room at the table as we focus our content to bring the right people together online and in person. It feels like everything we know about networking applies here, how we can be thoughtful online, using tools just to aid in that process. Thanks for the great episode, Amanda. Until next time. And we hope you'll join us for next week's episode as we dive into the digital journey. Haven't heard that word? It's where the digital world and physical world meet. Get it now? To create an immersive client experience. Want to see an example of lead generation in action? Head to our blog at thinklab.design where you can subscribe to our newsletter, and stay in the know when it comes to big thinking happening in the design industry. Our team is continually bringing you the latest expert tips and opportunity-driving insights. It's the perfect reading material while you wait for the next episode to drop. Special thanks in this episode to Hannah Vitti, our audio intern from last season, now turned producer for all Sandow Sister Company podcasts, including the mic from NYC by Design and brand new Deep Green from Metropolis. And also a special thanks to Blue Dot Sessions for the music.